You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. come from? The Holy Spirit. Boldness comes from the Holy Spirit. That's why we're always telling you to be ye filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, and get that power, that dutiful power on you so that you can be witnesses of Him, so that you can do the work He's called you to do, so you can love that person that's difficult to love like me. You can do that. You can do those things that God gives you that power through His Holy Spirit as you surrender. In today's message, Pastor Dave continues his study through the book of Esther. Esther's story is one of boldness, boldness from the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You can have that too. When you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, the way you live your life will change. Are you willing to have boldness like Esther's? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Esther chapter 9 as he begins his message, The Feast of Parham. Today, we're going to finish up the incredible book of Esther, chapters 9 and 10, and I've entitled this, The Feast of Purim, The Feast of Purim. So let's pray. Father, as we come now to your word, we ask, Lord, that you would bless us, Lord, as we read your word, as we study, open up our hearts to the things that are important to you to demonstrate to us, Lord, just touch us with your love, Father God. May your spirit lead us through these passages And Lord, I always pray that we ever draw closer to you through your word, Father God, because that's what your word is for. I pray, Lord, that it would accomplish that which you've set it forth. Father, just do a mighty work in our hearts tonight, that we might just continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ, that we might be continuing to be lights in the midst of a dark place, that we might be witnesses of Jesus everywhere we go, Lord. So I thank you for this time, Lord, and blessed be your name in all the earth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we saw that even though the king had Haman killed on the gallows he built for Mordecai, the damage that he had done, the decree to have the Jews annihilated was still in motion. The decree that was in place could not be revoked. We studied that last time. So Esther once again pleads to her husband, King Xerxes, to help her people. She goes once again and pleads to him, and he relents, and he allows her and Mordecai to basically amend the first decree. They can't change it, but they can come up with an amendment. They can come up with some other decree that would supersede the first one. It would be a way of escape. So they got together, and the second decree that they came up with would allow the Jews to defend themselves, basically. They were now able to kill those who were going to come against them on that day. And we find out in our verses today that there was a lot of people coming against them. There were going to be a lot of people who were going to come against them because of the first decree. Great measures were taken to get the good news out to all the providences. They saddled horses and they had messengers go all over the place. And because of this, there was great rejoicing. 
They were worshiping God and they were rejoicing with all their hearts because something had come now to step in that gap and help them that they wouldn't be annihilated. And if you remember, we said that there's another law in effect, the law of God that says all who sin must die. That's God's law. The wages of sin are death. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, we all deserve death. Just like the decree that was written to the Jews, we have a decree upon us. And this decree cannot be revoked either. It's God's law. But yet, God gave us a way to escape. God gave us a way around this decree, a way to escape, and his name is Jesus Christ. The Lord is a just God, and he must judge sin. But he provided safety and protection for those who would believe upon Jesus Christ for salvation. And by believing upon Jesus Christ for salvation, what he did on the cross, by faith, we now are reconciled with God, and we are now secure, and we don't have to face that spiritual death. We don't have to face that death. We come to the last part of this book, and we're going to look at the Feast of Purim, like I said. We're here at the end of this beautiful novel that was written. We don't really know who wrote it, but it's a pretty cool book. I've enjoyed it. Let's begin. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 in chapter 9. Now, in the 12th month, that is the month of Adar, on the 14th day, the time came for the king's command and his decree to be executed. That was the first one, remember. On that day, that enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, the opposite occurred in that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. The Jews gathered together in their cities throughout all the providences of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm. And no one could withstand them because fear of them fell upon all the people. I love this. Another story of God working all things together for good. Another story of God saving his people from harm. You know, you don't have to look very far in the Bible to come on these stories. I love them. You remember the story of Joseph, that beautiful, wonderful story of Joseph, the coat of many colors, and they sold him to slavery, and he goes down to Egypt, and all the things that happened in Egypt, and the brothers come down, and that whole thing with his brothers and all. And at the end, at the end, in chapter 50, verses 19 and 20, they were crying. They were crying because of what they had done to Joseph. His brothers had gathered around him, and they were all crying. And Joseph said to them, don't be afraid, for I am in the place of God. I'm not God, he says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good in order to bring it about to save many people alive. Haman meant evil against the Jews. He wanted to have them annihilated. But with the help of Esther and Mordecai, God steps in and God saved them. Beautiful, beautiful scripture. Another one is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wouldn't bow to King Nebuchadnezzar. Would not bow to him. Wouldn't bow when they were supposed to. And they got caught. And they threw him in the fiery furnace. And I love this story. It's a great story in Daniel. You read it and it just, it gets so exciting. They get thrown into the fiery furnace. The furnace is so hot that the guys who took them there burn up when they throw them in there. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar looks in and says, wait a minute. What's going on here? He looks in there and he sees, says, how many guys did we throw into the furnace? 
They said three. And then he says these incredible words. Well, then how come there are four in there and one of them looks like the son of God? Wow. The, they come out. They're not even singed. They're not even like, they're not even touched by this fire. And once again, God saved them. God saves his people in incredible ways. Daniel and the lions. And, and the list goes on and on as you read through the scriptures. The apostle Paul, you know how he put it. In 828 of Romans, and we know. Don't forget those three words. And we know. We're supposed to know this. And we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. We love that. We love that verse. So this is what's happening. So on the day that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, the opposite happened. The Jews now had the king on their side. You know, we also have enemies against us. We have enemies against us that we have to deal with on every single day. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of the air. You know the scripture. We don't wrestle with that. But we have the king of kings on our side. And we don't have any reason to fear. We shouldn't fear because we have the king of kings on our side. And besides, if God be for us, who can be against us? We have him on our side. And we know that when God is on our side, we should not fear. And you know how I get sidetracked when I go through these scriptures? I love the fact that the Lord leads me here, leads me there. But when Paul was writing his second letter to his beloved son, Timothy, he wrote these words that we've studied before. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, he says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So we don't have a spirit of fear. Fear is a tool of Satan. Bottom line, fear is a tool of Satan, and he often uses it to discourage us to keep us from being witnesses, to keep, him, keep us from using the gifts that God has given us, whether it be preaching his word, helping somebody, stepping out in faith, whatever. But Satan uses this, and he uses it all he can. We have all God's power helping us and supporting us, and we are safe in God's hands. Nothing can take us out of his hand, not one thing. He's given us a spirit of love. It tells us about the power he's given us. Many think of power in terms of how we can control other people. If I have great power, I can control other people. But that's not the power that's being expressed here. The power that's being expressed here is so that we can love and serve others. Jesus had all the power in the world. Jesus is God. And he walked on the earth, and he had all the power in the world. And how did he use that power? How did he use that power on the night that he was betrayed? Before Judas left, he washed the feet of all the disciples. Washed their feet, even Judas's. Washed the feet of the disciples, showing them and giving them an example of what they were to do for each other. Now, he didn't say that we need to carry buckets of water around so we can wash people's feet. What he was saying is we need to humble ourselves for people. We need to help people. We need to love people. We need to show them grace. We need to show them mercy. That's power. That is power. That's how you diffuse an enemy. By showing them grace and showing them mercy, that's how you diffuse them. You diffuse someone coming against you when you show them love, when you show them grace and mercy. God has given us that power. He's given us a sound mind. Now, you might argue about me, but he has given me a sound mind. And the ancient Greek word here is calm, (laughs) self-controlled, in contrast to panic and confusion. Well, he's given me a sound mind, whether it looks like that or not, I don't know. But we don't need to accept the fact that God has not given us. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. 
We don't have a spirit of fear. And we need to humbly receive and walk in what he has given us. What has God given us? Power, love, and a sound mind. He's given that to us that we can walk in. Boldness matters. Being bold matters. When you are bold in the Lord, boldness matters. Without it, we cannot fulfill God's purpose in our lives. And God's purpose for us is more than making money, more than being entertained, more than being comfortable. It is for each of us to use the gifts so that we can touch other people's heart. Where does boldness come from? The Holy Spirit. Boldness comes from the Holy Spirit. That's why we're always telling you to be ye filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, and get that power, that dutiful power on you so that you can be witnesses of him, so that you can do the work he's called you to do, so you can love that person that's difficult to love like me. You can do that. You can do those things that God gives you that power through his Holy Spirit as you surrender to the Holy Spirit, as you allow the Holy Spirit full access of your life. Fear and timidity will keep you from using the gifts that God has given you. God wants each of us to take his power, his love, and his calm thinking and overcome fear to be used by him, to be used by him to reach the dying world. Folks, we just got finished studying the book of Revelation. We had a a sermon on the sign of the times. It's getting close. We want as many of them out there to come into God's kingdom. There's many, many, many people who need to be saved. Notice what the Lord did. He sent fear into the hearts of men who wanted to kill the Jews. He did put fear into their hearts. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he puts fear in the hearts of our enemies so that they get afraid of the things that are happening to them. We saw the same thing way back in Genesis 35 when Jacob traveled from Shechem to Bethel. I think I have it marked. Let me read this for you. In Genesis 35, 5, it says, And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So the terror of God. Remember when the spies went into the country and met with Rahab? Rahab told them that everyone knew about what they had done before, and the terror was against them. They were afraid of them. The spirit of fear God had placed upon their hearts. So on one hand, we who believe have nothing to fear. We have absolutely nothing to fear because we have God's promises. But to those who don't believe, they have everything to fear. They have everything to fear. So there's a good thing about believing and not being afraid, not being timid, not being afraid. This remains to be a problem in the world today. There's no fear of God before their eyes. There's no fear of God in the eyes of the unsaved, in the eyes of our leaders, in the eyes of these people. There's no fear of God there. They become like Pharaoh. What did Pharaoh say to Moses when he talked about God? What did Pharaoh say? Who is God that I should serve him? Who is this God that I should do this? Well, he found out in a hard way, didn't he? He found out just who God was, didn't he? He found out. So this is what's happening. The things have been changed around. Let's look at three and four. And all the officials of the providences, the satraps, the governors, and all those doing the king's work helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell on them. For Mordecai was great in the king's palace, and his fame spread throughout all the providences. For this man, Mordecai, became increasingly prominent. 
Mordecai wore the signet ring of the king, remember? And he was basically second in command. He was the prime minister, and he was feared. They feared him. All the king's horses and all the king's men feared Mordecai. So they helped him. They helped him defeat these people who were coming after the Jews. And I love this. Most of you know who J. Vernon McGee is, don't you? I love J. Vernon. I love him. He has a great quote. He said, the very throne that once condemned the Jews now protects them. I love that. And that's what God does. <laughs> that's what God does. He turns things around for his glory. He makes things happen for his purpose. I love that. Just like the Lord. Paul said that in Romans 8, 33 and 35. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Is it God who justifies? Who is he who condemns? Is it Christ died? Furthermore, is also risen. So even in the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Obviously, no. It's a rhetorical question. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. At one time, at one time, the very throne of God stood against you and me. Yeah. Why? Because we were sinners. We're sinners still. He had, we have been judged and we have been condemned because of our sin. The wages of sin is death. And God judges and he was against us. But now, the throne is occupied by someone else. The throne is occupied by God, who appeased God's Standard for righteousness. He was propitiation for our sins. He stood in our place and died in our place, and he obeyed the law completely. The throne is occupied by the one who took our sins upon himself and died in our place and appeased his death on the cross. And he becomes our high priest in Hebrews 4, 14 and 16. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, but yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might attain mercy and find grace in time of need. I love that. Our glorious high priest, Jesus Christ, passed into heaven for me, for you. And he's making an intercession for us right now. Intercession. But he's sympathetic. Because he walked as a man, and he was tempted just like you and me. He was tempted in every single way, but he sinned not. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my frailty. So he empathizes with me. We have a glorious high priest, so we can boldly come to the throne of grace in time of need, in time of help. And we boldly come. Dare you come on your own accord? No way. Dare you come on your own merit? No way. You can't come on anything except the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only way you can come in. But once you've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ, once that has been poured out upon you, you can boldly come and ask what you need in your time of need for help. Don't dare go on my own. No, I can't. I can't. But through God, through him, I can. A lot of people don't believe this kind of stuff. A lot of people think it's hokey. They think it's just a fairy tale, and they'll tell you, well, I'm going to take my chances on my own. You know, any Jew that was living in Persian kingdom at that time could have taken the same approach to the grace that was being issued by God. This is all part of God's grace. It's all part of God's grace that has been extended to his people, the Jews. But because the first decree gave them no defense, it means death. 
But he had to take advantage of the second decree. You know, when I was studying this and I was looking at that, it reminded me of one of my favorite verses. I know they're all my favorite, but it reminded me of my favorite. And I love, I do like these verses. And my boy, John. I love John. I love John. God was displeased with the Israelites once again. And he sent serpents to kill them. And when they were bit by these snakes, they died. It's in the book of Numbers. They died. Moses interceded for the people. And he told them, and he told Moses to make a serpent out of bronze. And put it on a pole and put it in front of the camp. And if one of the people were bitten, if they looked to the pole, they would be healed. If they did not look to the pole, they would die. So they had a choice. They had a choice. Someone bitten by a snake says, I'm not looking at any pole. Okay. Someone bitten by the snake looks at the pole, becomes healed. Jesus took this very thing and applied it to himself. He applies it to himself. Listen to this in verse 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do you know what the next verse is? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's the same concept here. We have a choice. A choice is given to us. So the denial of Jesus Christ will result in spiritual death. Separation God forever. Now, those who want to take their chances, those who think they have a chance to take, go ahead and take it at your own peril. But God has given us a way out. He's given us a way back from death. He's given us a way to eternal life through Jesus' cross and what he did for us on the cross. So we see this happening. The Jews now are taking advantage, those who believed it, are taking advantage of this new decree, and they're coming against those people who are coming against them. Let's look at 5 to 11. I digress. Thus the Jews defeated all their enemies with the stroke of a sword, with slaughter and destruction, and did what they pleased with those who hated them. And in Shushan, the citadel, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. Also, Parshan Adatha, Dalphon, Asadatha, Poratha, poor guys, Adaliah, Aradatha, Parmesan, Esiri, Aradel, and that place. The ten sons of Haman, the sons of Hamanathatha, jeez, and the enemy of the Jews. And I went over these words too, trust me. I went over each one of those things. So. The enemy of the Jews they killed. But they did not lay hand on the plunder. I like that. On that day, the number of those who were killed in Shushan, the citadel, was brought to the king. So we have this going on. They're defending themselves. They're vanquishing their enemies. They're getting rid of their enemies. It's interesting that although they had been permission to take the spoils, they did not. They didn't take the spoils. I find that interesting. I find that interesting. Thanks for listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank today. Pastor Dave is making his way through the book of Esther. It's a familiar story, but the incredible thing about the Word of God is that it's living and active. Every time we go through this book, I learn something new, or it stands out to me in a brand new way. 
Something that is standing out to me this time is the power of following God with others. Esther wouldn't have the same knowledge without Mordecai. She needed the community of her servants through the time of fasting. None of this was accomplished alone. And you are not meant to be alone either. That's why you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Life in community is a necessary and beneficial part of the Christian walk. I can think of many times in my own life I wouldn't have made it on my own. I need the community of believers around me, and you do too. So for those of you in the Cape May, New Jersey area, come join our community today. You'll find all the information you need at assurehoperadio.com. Once again, that website is assurehoperadio.com. And for those of you who can't come in person, we'd still love to be a part of your spiritual community. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube through links on the same website. Or you can send us prayer requests at info at capewatchradio.com. We'd love to pray for you. That email is info at capewatchradio.com. Thank you so much for joining us here today. We've come to the end of our time together, but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave continues through Esther on a sure hope. You've rescued us.